The first, you need to know that Reverend Nate and I do not choose the gospel each Sunday. <laughs> we did not sit over there in the office maniacally plotting, hey, let's spring this totally confusing, massively violent, utterly disturbing parable on everyone this week. Nope, each week, Virtually every Episcopal, Anglican, and mainline Protestant church, both in the U.S. and abroad, all read the same scripture texts. We follow what's called the lectionary, a three-year schedule of readings that outlines what we're going to read week to week. So if someone you love or know is sitting in another one of these churches this morning, they've also been blessed with hearing Jesus compare the kingdom of heaven to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. And then they heard, just as we did, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> In the parable, the people invited to the sacred banquet don't show up. So the king sends his slaves out, hey, look, I've got an oxen, a fatted calf, but no luck. Some invitees shrug their shoulders, walk away, take care of business. Others kill the slaves. The, sings, the king is so enraged at this point, he sends his troops, his army, to kill the ones who killed the slaves, and then he burns the whole city down. Next, the king goes out into the streets or sends his slaves in the streets to ask everyone to the wedding banquet the good and the bad. Now I can only imagine who would be in the streets of a city that had just been burnt to the ground. It's an image that is so utterly and painfully vivid today with the fires in our state and whole neighborhoods decimated. What is this king who wants the fire survivors to come to a banquet people suffering unspeakable loss because of what he did? That sounds like an invitation laced with a threat of death. One person appears of this crowd of the good and the bad, what I would think the grieving. One appears without wearing the proper wedding attire. Now, it turns out in first century Israel, the host of such a wedding banquet is the one who provides the wedding robes. So the person not wearing the robe has made a conscious choice not to do so. And what does the king do? He demands that this person be bound up, cast out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Good morning. <laughs> There's no consensus among current biblical scholars, theologians, and cl even clergy as to what this means. The temptation for many is to make it an allegory, to look for an answer key, and most following this temptation will look for all the equivalencies. The king, that's God. The invitees who don't come, oh, that's the people of Israel disrespecting God. The good and the bad rounded up, oh, those are all the outcasts in Jesus' ministry. And then the undressed guest, that's yet another disrespecting soul.
But Jesus' parables are not analogies. They're multifaceted invitations, multifaceted stories, asking us to look at things that we may not want to see. And today's parable is one of the most extreme examples in Scripture of how Jesus' stories, these stories inviting us to look at stuff we don't want to look at, how they disturb, they unsettle, and they challenge us very uncomfortably. Because parables look at our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So while we may be tempted to sum this all up with the message of you better be good or else, we need to look at the, others, the rest of the Gospels. We need to look at the witness of the rest of the New Testament, of the whole canon of Scripture, and see, is this conception of God as an angry, vengeful taskmaster, is this right? Because what we hear in Scripture is a message of salvation, an awesome witness of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, the message of the cross, of a new way of life that is in total contrast to God embodying over-the-top cruelty to whoever does what God doesn't want them to do. And even if we look at all the other texts that we read this morning, we see a different conception of God. We just sang Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is with us. That's the witness of the gospel. God became flesh to be with us. And in the King James Version of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God with us, God comforting us. So how about we take our shepherd's hand right now through the valley of the shadow of death in this parable, and let us go to one of the disturbing places Jesus invites us to go. Let's look at the dynamics of power and violence in this story. And let's start with the context of where Jesus is. He's in Jerusalem. It's the end of his earthly ministry. The very last week, he's already ridden into town on his donkey. He's in the temple. He's already turned over the tables, he's cured people, and now he's teaching, which is a huge affront to the temple leadership. And they've already asked, by what authority are you doing this? Today's parable is the third he's told. Last Sunday's parable was the one right before, also not an easy one, about the landowner wanting to collect the profits and tenants killing slaves and his son. And that parable ends with the line that comes right before today's that says, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They were the people in power. So how does today's parable 
further challenge the temple leadership, who were the gatekeepers, in a sense, to God's banquet, the temple. And the more difficult question is how does it challenge those of us in positions of power, be it within our families, in our places of work, perhaps our social lives or circles of activism? This king isn't all evil, but he is powerful and has seemingly good intentions. Come to my wedding banquet. But that invitation is limited to a certain number of people. And what if this king were already known by the people to be a tyrant, abusive, vengeful? What if the invitee's refusal to come is simply fear or maybe a form of resistance? What if Jesus is asking us, where are we, despite good intentions, being vengeful in the areas in which we have power? Where are we abusing power? Who are we hurting? The other place we could put ourselves is in the place of the invitees and all the people living under the power of this king. What choices do they have in the face of tyranny? We can choose to walk away from engagement, not go to the party, step away from the abuse, or like some of the invitees, we too can wreak violence, hack away violently at the elements of abuse of power, kill the slaves, if this is a path where violence leads to more violence. The king burns the whole city, whether they reacted violently or nonviolently, wiping them out in fury. With great power comes a great ability to cause tremendous pain, but also in resistance to great power comes the ability to cause tremendous pain. So where might Jesus be in this terrible tale? Perhaps Jesus is among the fire's survivors, the ones rounded up in the street, the good and the bad. That's who Jesus hung out with anyway, everybody, regardless of their faults, regardless of our flaws. Perhaps Jesus is the one who did not put on the wedding robe, did not cover himself up, but instead presented himself before power, showing the wounds of destruction, the soot, the burns perhaps, the pain. And the king binds him up and expels him. Jesus, a nonviolent mirror of the violence we cause one another. But this is also Jesus that we know because we have read the rest of the gospel. We know this is Jesus calling us and witnessing to another way. Because the full story of Christ does not end with weeping and gnashing of teeth. It does not end on Good Friday. We know that he's crucified, but through that cross, he defeats death. He defeats the corrupt powers of the world. And on the other side of pain, there is new life. There is a heavenly 
banquet. It's a banquet that we partake of each week here at the rail. Jesus is our shepherd, leading us through pastures to this holy banquet. But the pathway is not easy. This parable, in this parable, he's inviting us to look at the difficult places on that path. So let's gather up our courage. Let's walk with him through the shadows of our own darkness, the shadows of wounds we carry, perhaps as victims and objects of abuse, oppression, violence. Let's also walk with him through the shadows of darkness we may have caused, the more hidden, the more difficult to admit and shameful wounds of having sparked either literal or figurative violence against one another. But as Psalm 23 proclaims, along that path, he restoreth our souls. He restoreth our souls. There is new life. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. Amen.